Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Now, uh, this is perhaps one of your favorite theologians, Dr. Seuss, and uh, I'm not quite sure which uh, specialty of theology his doctorate is in, but he's definitely popular at Christmas. <laughs> the Grinch. How many of you have got like the Grinches in your Christmas movie cycle? There's all the great Christmas movies, isn't there? Miracle on 34th Street, you know, there's uh, Elf, uh, there's The Grinch, uh, the Die Hard, um, and... Uh, <laughs> but The Grinch is one of them that we love, to, we love to throw in there. And interestingly, the word Grinch has become synonymous with the people that don't like Christmas. And then you come to church during Christmas season, and church is talking about this thing called Advent. Everybody else is talking about Christmas and you come here and we're talking about Advent and it feels like we're like really sad. <laughs> and you're like, what's going, what's going on here? Is the church the world's Grinch? Well, everybody else wants to celebrate Christmas. We're just living up on our hill, looking down at all the people and just being sad. But I wonder when you hear this from Dr. Seuss, maybe Christmas doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. Some of us, perhaps you're here right now, you know that at some level the Grinch is right. That, that what Grinch is saying is deeper than just simply the way we see Christmas represented to us in so many different contexts. There's a resonance inside you, and, and I don't know how it works for you. Every year it kind of catches me unaware, but there's that first warning of Christmas. It's generally, it's generally Christmas music in a store. And I'll, be, I'll confess to you, I hear Christmas music, it's often something like wham, right? So it's not like proper Christmas music. You, you, hear, you hear, I wish it could be Christmas every day for like, you know, the, umpteen, the warning that you're gonna hear this song a lot. So much that by the time it gets to Christmas, you will not wish that it was Christmas every day. Uh, and you hear that song and there's something in you goes, oh, already? Like I'm still eating up the leftovers of my daughter's Halloween candy. And um, and we're already getting the warning. Sorry about that, darling. Um, and we're, we're already getting the warning that Christmas is coming. But then there's also a moment, I wonder if you resonate with this, there's also a moment where something happens. Sometimes the Advent service, sometimes it's just a moment, like it's a particular party that you go to, or it's a gathering of some family, where something switches in your heart, where all of a sudden you go, ooh, it's Christmas and I'm ready for it. Do you know what I'm, you know, I don't know what that moment's called, but you, you know that moment? where it's like, now you're like, yes, now it can be Christmas. But prior to that, you know there's something else going on. You know there's something deeper going on. And what I wanna simply suggest is that if that's you, maybe you're an Advent person. Maybe you're the type of person that says, actually, prior to getting to Christmas, I need a season. I need a season that deprograms me from the store and reprograms me to something else, to something different. Perhaps we can say it like this, Advent. It's the season for all those who need to feel seen by God. There was a text on the screens during the coffee break, and it was one of, in our journals, you'll notice the texts for every week are printed at the bottom of that week's page. And the Old Testament text from this week is from Isaiah 40. And the text begins, comfort, oh comfort, my people, says the Lord. Comfort, oh comfort. We're supposed to be celebrating, you say. It's supposed to be party season. And then the biblical texts for this week of Advent are like, comfort. They're saying comfort to you. Isaiah is speaking to a people who are in all sorts of chaos. And, and what do they hear from God? This message of comfort. 
But if Advent is the season for those of us who need to be seen by God, then perhaps the message of comfort is exactly the message that we need to hear. See, because in one sense, the store is telling you, get ready for Christmas. Drown all those concerns in, in you know, commercial therapy. <laughs> but some of you, some of you are arriving to this second week of Advent, and 2023 has not been kind to you. But 2023 has not been easy. All those hopes that you had on January 1 have not played out that you wanted, the way that you wanted. And Advent is the season that comes to us and says God sees the illnesses that you didn't expect. He sees the broken relationships that bring you to this point right here, not in the way that you thought you were coming to this point this year. Some of us in this room are sat on our own, and we didn't think we would be sat here on our own this year. Some of us are sat with financial worries that we didn't realize we were going to have this year. Some of us are sat in aspects of pain or relational breakdown or career change that, that we just didn't expect. And while the whole world is saying party, party, party because Christmas is coming, the church speaks to a different part of our souls and says, Advent, you need a season to remember that God sees you. See, Christmas, I think, only makes sense if you journey through Advent. We get to this party because we have a God who sees us. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. And then he announces this voice. This voice is coming. This comfort is coming. How is the comfort going to come? Well, the prophet appears. And the prophet says, make a way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. My goodness, that does sound, Kristen said it already, that sounds familiar to Calgary people. We know a lot, more than any human should, about highway construction projects. You know, and, and we know what a highway does when you build one. I live in the north, and I work here in the south, and every, every little while, like for the last two years, I've watched them build a bridge. I didn't realize it took so long, and, and I've watched them build a bridge, and then they slowly opened, they dug a hole through a hill, right? And they made a straight road through a hill where there used to be like a part of our, of our city landscape. And then now, every week, they seem to threaten opening a bit more of the highway. And every week, I take a little less time to get to work. And every week, I arrive to that part around about 12th, I think it is, and, and, and I, see, I see this no further signs, and I rebuke them in Jesus' name because I know that one day I'll get to church quicker. And uh, <laughs> so, so like a very, a very elemental level, I'm feeling the highway thing here. But then when we read this text, and perhaps even experiencing what in our, in, we've seen in our cities, there's something in us yearns. Like, yes, that's what we need. We need an interruption from God at 110 kilometers an hour. Like, we, we need that. Like, no more, no more, you know, stoplights. Definitely no more traffic circles. My goodness, leave them to the British. Uh, <laughs> we don't know how they work. And, uh, and, and so, so we want God to come fast. We want God to come down to this highway. So yes, God, we need your comfort. We need the highway. We need the valleys to be raised up and the mountains to be made low. Doesn't it seem sometimes like this is exactly not how God is working? I think God seems to be really slow and lethargic. And the prophet's talking about God coming in fast, and we're not even sure if he's coming. He's absent feeling. And we want to prepare for his coming, but in truth, there's a little bit of doubt in our hearts that says, even if we ever do finish this highway, will he actually come? And the evidence suggests no. The question when you start to think like that is known as the question of theodicy. 
in the overwhelming evidence of brokenness and evil in the world, where is God? <laughs> like, what's going on, God? And if there is a God, is he even good? And there's a tendency within, within us as Christians to want to run from those questions. Let's hide from those questions. We shouldn't ask those questions. Those questions sound like doubt questions, so let's not ask them. But I don't think the church and its people should ever run from those questions. We should not dismiss those questions. These are the questions of our faith, but we should approach them properly. The Lutheran theologian Hans Ivan says, our faith begins at the point where atheists suppose it must be an end. Oh, look, there's no evidence that your God is coming. Oh, look, it looks like your God's not even present, much less slow. Those are the moments where we want to get off the train. Those are the moments where our secular society tells us to get off the train. But I wanna to confess to you that those are the moments where faith begins. Those are the moments where we start to lean into the God that we know is coming, but we cannot see him. And the Advent text from Isaiah's call for comfort and waiting for this highway to come, the Advent text help us deal with this question, where is God and why does it appear like he's not coming? Advent text help us understand the waiting. And that's why we lean into this text from 2 Peter. This is 2 Peter chapter three, he offers us this wisdom. Peter says, do not forget this one, dear, one thing, dear friends. And let me, say, let me say that better in a moment, but do not forget. Like, that's an interesting, pay attention to that. Like, the writer wants you, like, this, this. I've said a lot of things so far, two chapters already, but don't forget this. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And you're like, well, that's not overly encouraging, Peter. Um, I'm not entirely sure what it means, but it definitely sounds slow. And Peter knows that's what we're thinking because look what he then says. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. This is the Christian confession of faith. God is working. He is working right here. He is working right now in our world. The Christian confession is that the world is on a collision course with God's peace. It may not feel like it. It may not even look like it. But our confession is that God is working. It's not that he's going to work. It's not that maybe he'll get around to it eventually. He is working because God is always working. He's always working to bring peace, especially when it least looks like he's bringing peace. Peter wants us to remember, he's not slow, he's being patient. And I think intrinsically you know this as a person. Like there's a reason that your body and your soul revolt when you hear of illness in someone. There's a reason that something turns in you when you see the devastation of war. When you gather together with a loved one at a funeral, there's nothing in your soul that says this is right and it's the way things are meant to be. And that's because scripture tells us why this is. You are made in God's image. The spirit of God is in you. So there's something in you at an organic level that, that just doesn't like all of this pain and this suffering and this difficulty. And that churn is the churn that aligns you with God. But here's the problem. God's not slow. He's working on everyone's behalf. Well, I'm ready to party now, says, says, says me. I'm ready to party. I, this Christmas season is on. Bring on the wham. You know, we're, 
No, don't do that. Never listen to wham. I mean, my, my goodness. Um, it completely derailed my thought. <laughs> my goodness, that's what George Michael will do for you. You may be ready for Christmas now, but I promise you this, not everybody in this room is. And so often our journey as Christians is to say, oh, I'm ready, let's go. But that's not how God works. Advent reminds us that God's waiting for everybody. He wants everybody to have a space. And the Christian confession is there is a party, the party will come, but it will be when everybody's there. And you think so many of Jesus' parables make sense to you when you hold that mindset. There's a God who's waiting and he's drawing us in from every single corner. Okay, we say, so what do we do then while we wait? And that's where our gospel reading for this morning speaks to us. What do we do in the meantime? We're introduced to this character, John the Baptist. John the Baptist is a fascinating character. He looks odd. I don't want to overplay the looking of the oddness of John the Baptist. As I was standing just to the side of our, of our stage and, and the gospel was being read, I was very all of a sudden cognizant of a man wearing Scottish wool with a beard. And, and, and I thought, you know, I don't want to play over the weirdness of this guy because I also am wearing a leather belt. And uh, so, so, but John comes and he looks odd. But actually, that's not the oddest thing about John. There's a tendency to think, oh, he looks odd because of what he's wearing. But here's why John's actually odd. All of Jerusalem come to see him. All the people want to hear what he has to say. Everybody's fascinated by John. And this is what John says. It's not about me. It's about him. It's not about me. It's about him. See, John the Baptist understands that he holds the story and he proclaims the story, but he is not the story. This is not about me, says John. It's about someone else. And I think John is the prophet of Advent. He's not who you expected us to talk about this morning. And maybe you gathered kids up in the, in, in the car and you were like, let's go to church. We'll, we'll learn about wise men. And, uh, and now, you're like, now you're like, where does the guy with the honey on his beard and the camel clothes fit in my nativity scene? Um, does he go beside the shepherds or is he right there next to the manger? You know, He's weird. He doesn't seem to fit. He looks odd. But he's the prophet of Advent because he tells us the church how to behave. And he tells us, the church, that we are witnesses. We are witnesses to something other than ourselves. What do we do in this world of devastation and pain and difficulty? Well, we, can't, we cannot be the answer, but we can point you to the answer. Why is God not act, acting more quickly? Well, look at the God that we're following. He's working something. He's patient and he's waiting for us. And John the Baptist is our person for Advent because he tells us and reminds us it's not about us. We are not the star of this story. Andrew Root phrases it like this for us. As the servant of the world and not the primary subject of God's action, the church holds the story, proclaims the story, and embodies the story of God's action in the world for the sake of the world's salvation. The church is not the primary or even the secondary subject of the story. If we spend our time as a people saying it's not about us, it's about him, you will feel odd and you will look odd in our contemporary world because our world constantly makes it about us. You're the captain of your own ship. It's all about you. <laughs> you do you, we say to one another. And then John the Baptist rocks into the darkness of our waiting of Advent and says, it's not about me, it's about him. You think I'm a big deal. I'm not even good enough to tie his shoes. 
May we, the church, learn to be the sort of boot guys for Jesus, that we learn to point towards him. Maybe we embrace a little bit more of John the Baptist and be comfortable with looking a bit odd because the church is not the star of its own story. We're the narrators, but we're not the star. And Advent then helps us because the moment we lean into this confession that it's not about me and I am not the star, this is where we're going. We're being drawn towards this one. This is the patient one who will put all things back together. This helps us to the great confession that we're gonna need to make at Christmas, that we need help and it's coming from outside of us. Like the store says to you all day long at Christmas time, the store says to you, you'll be okay if you just buy this. And Advent's like, you know, you won't. Like you're not getting out of this on your own. <laughs> you know, you think you're getting out of this alive if you just buy that? Advent's reminder to us is that we need help and we're not gonna do it by ourselves. We're only gonna do it if we look at the one who is the star. So this is the mystery of Advent. This is the mystery of God's peace and wholeness that God is working. Slowly, no, let's resist the temptation to say that God is slow. He's patient. He's patient because he's bigger plans than we can imagine. And Advent calls us to stop fretting about how we're gonna get out of this. Advent comes to us and knows the pain of the story. God knows the pain of the story more than anyone, but invites us to trust him. And while we trust him, points to the one who is the star. So our invitation this Advent Sunday is accept the narrator role. Be a pointer. It's not about me, I'm not the star, it's about him. And this is why gathering around the table is so significant for the Christian community. This is why we wanna keep moving and position the table at the end of our service, not at the middle, because this points us to Jesus and that's what the role of the church is always to do, to say it's not about us, it's about him. None of us are the star. Just this week at our healing service, Kristen talked about it earlier, we gathered in this hall with people who came with prayers for others and we prayed for the healing and body, mind and soul of people who weren't present to us. And we also prayed for those who were present that needed a healing touch of God. And then we also, we prayed for our church and the journey of pain that our church has been on across the years and we prayed for God to heal us there. But then we did something as, as, as a gathering of people, we gathered together and we, we came around the table and we took Eucharist together, but we actually gathered more, more elements than we needed, more bread, more cup than we needed. And we blessed it in that space to bring to us here this morning. Because what we wanted to do as a healing service was kind of loop you all into it, make us all be part of it. The church is always working at different levels with wider thoughts. So we thought, what if we brought the leftover communion from our space to this space? Because in Advent, we have to remember the story's bigger than us. That what we do on any one Sunday is not about just what happens on one Sunday. And our prayer on Thursday night was that the healing that God was bringing to us on Thursday will leak out into us as a community, will leak out into us as a congregation. So we're gonna gather around the table in just a moment. You'll remember our map. You always laugh at the map and then ignore it. <laughs> so we're gonna, we're gonna serve it in this same way. We're gonna create just two lines that will come down in the middle as you release row by row. But remember that what we're doing as we come before the table is we're, we're stepping 
into a continuation of our worship. So it's not a moment where we take and have nothing else to do, but the band will lead us to sing and worship as we're coming to the middle because this is all part of our worship as a community. Remember, what does worship do? It points us to Jesus and says, it's not about me, it's about him. So come down and, 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 and come to Christine and myself will be at the front. You can rotate your way back to your chairs. If you need an allergy aware uh, communion, Tori will be in the middle and he will happily serve you. I invite you, come in a receiving posture. Come with your hands open, reminding yourself that you're not the star. You don't take your way to this. We receive from God this gift. And also, I wanna say this. Actually, remember, when you come, please feel free just to take immediately as you're served. That's more than okay. If you're unable to come, if for whatever reason it's hard for you to, to line up and come down the front, please, please, please let us know. Just let Kristen know as she releases your row, and we will happily come and serve you afterwards so that you have uh, an, an ability to participate with us. Why don't we stand? And Tori's gonna come and he's gonna lead us uh, in the creed, but let's take a moment and just breathe in that need to trust in the Jesus who is coming to us this Advent and rescuing us. Let's confess what we believe together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who is conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Shall never thirst. As we gather around the table of Jesus this morning, we want to remind you of the open invitation of Jesus to the table. Come, all who are thirsty. We practice an open table here at Westside and to remind ourselves that the table is open by Jesus and not guarded by us. We like to say this Celtic invitation regularly. This is a table not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have, faith, who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been here long, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed. Come, because it is the Lord who invites you, it is his will that those who want him should meet him here. Let us now turn our hearts and offer our collective prayers on behalf of the church and the world. 
Lord Jesus, we await your coming. We wait filled with hope, knowing your light will shine in the darkness. We wait longing for your peace, praying that one day it will fill our world. We wait in anticipation of joy because your coming makes all things new. We wait in need of your love for ourselves and for our neighbors. Lord, we wait. O oh God, we have heard your servant crying out in the wilderness. We have heard that you are ushering in a reign of peace, and we want to see your kingdom when it comes. Our vision is dim, but your coming is at hand. Our hope is feeble, but your promises stand forever. We pray for the nations to know your light and your peace. We pray for your provision to the poor, the hungry, and the needy. We pray for those who are poor in spirit and hungry for justice. Bless them and quench their thirst, O God. We pray for those whose face, who face this season alone, or sick, or homeless, or destitute. God, the hour of your coming again draws near. Make us ready in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls. Give us ears to hear, O God, and eyes to keep watch, that we may know your presence in our midst during this holy season of joy as we await the coming of Jesus Christ, through whom we offer all our prayers. The scripture says this about communion. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. So please stand and worship and come to the table as your row is released. 